This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Friday, December 8th. I'm Gavin McGough. And I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, Telluride plans regional youth center at Voodoo. Veterinarians warn of respiratory illness in dogs. Eyes to ears with Bella Eatman. And a mountain weather forecast. Telluride has long desired to give the community's young people a space of their own. The concept of a youth hangout or youth rec center has taken various forms over the years. Most recently, recalls town manager Scott Robson. There had been a concept and even a design uh, from the town of Telluride to place uh, a youth hangout uh, center within uh, within town park itself. And that combined building was, uh, although very uh, interesting and, and a very, very cool design, Uh, The cost for that uh, grew pretty quickly over the last two years from concept until uh, we got bids to the point where I believe the last estimate was somewhere north of three million. Sticker shock tanked that version of Telluride's youth center. But speaking this week at a meeting of the San Miguel Board of County Commissioners, Robson says a new idea has come about incorporating a youth hangout into the ongoing Voodoo Affordable Housing Project located beside the Telluride Post Office. The Voodoo lot is currently being developed by the town, says Robson. And there's a historic shed, a really large historic shed, that has been moved off-site but through HARC regulations and so on is required to remain on-site. And it had been contemplated by Telluride Town Council in the past as a potential small commercial space, a coffee shop, something along those lines. But perhaps Robson continues a youth hangout in that large shed might be even more aligned with town goals and town history. Voodoo, that very lot, is where kids have hung out for decades in the skate park and um, in the building. Um, We thought, you know what? Maybe it's time to just bring the concept back to this site. At this point, the town of Telluride is pretty committed to converting that shed into a hangout space with lots of flexibility, perhaps a TV or desk area, comfortable furniture, and a supervisor during open hours. Telluride's youth are not the only ones who might benefit from the space. So, says Robson, the town decided... It would make sense to circle back with uh, the county, the school district, and uh, town of Mountain Village with an equitable ask of $25,000 each, just to kind of put a, put a stake in the ground and help, help us out with some of the final, uh, just some of the last elements here to get this uh, space up and running for kids uh, as early as the fall of next year. Hence Robson's appearance before the county commissioners. He came searching for a bit of extra funding and the buy-in of regional partners whose youth and families will benefit. The board was receptive to the ask, but, says Commissioner Chris Holstrom. I just want to note that I've had a couple of constituents from the West End say, well, what about us? So um, let's just keep that in mind, that um, equity and and, uh, they're probably going to come to us as well with some asks in the not too distant future for for, um, not exactly something similar, but but for rec center ideas and and youth hangout ideas. County Commissioner Lance Waring agrees. The county represents folks all the way to the Utah state line, regions far flung from the voodoo lot in the bustling Telluride core. So while Waring supports the voodoo hangout, he proposes a somewhat symbolic way of recognizing the county's commitment to serving all of its constituents. A good portion of our 
constituents in the East End who have children will benefit from this. I want to support it, but I'm going to make a proposal that we come in at $20,000 just to nod to the fact that not every child in the county is going to be easily able to take advantage of this. Other commissioners agree to forking over $20,000 rather than twenty-five dollars in recognition of their West End commitments. But even $20,000 doesn't just come out of thin air. In order to furnish Telluride with the funds, commissioners take the money out of an existing budget for a recreation center in the county's East End. Planning for a rec center which would serve all ages of the community is another collaboration between area governments set to continue in 2024. Veterinarians are warning of a severe upper respiratory infection affecting dogs. This week, the animal hospital in Telluride, in addition to the town of Telluride and the Telluride Marshals Department, joined Colorado State University veterinarians in sending out a warning about the illness. The infection presents similar to Bordetella pertussis, also known as kennel cough, but officials note this infection is more severe and can cause death. Veterinarians have not determined exactly how the dogs are contracting the infection, but they suspect it spreads through nose-to-nose contact or through communal water bowls. Symptoms of the illness include coughing, eye and nose discharge, fever, and lethargy. Multiple cases have been identified in Colorado, with one possible case at the animal hospital in Telluride. In a news release, Dr. Stephen Smolin with the Animal Hospital notes dog owners should treat the illness similar to how we thought about COVID, saying, quote, don't take your dogs to the park, public trails or other areas when your dog may encounter an infected dog during high traffic times. Most importantly, he says, don't allow your dogs to greet other dogs or drink from community water bowls. Dog owners should make sure their dogs are up to date with vaccines. While not a cure for the illness, it keeps the immune system strong. An individual who believes their dog has symptoms should isolate the dog immediately and call a veterinarian. The possibilities for creating art are endless. From acrylic to ceramics, glasswork to textiles... But this week on Eyes to Ears, Telluride High School's Bella Eatman dives into the inky goodness of watercolor. Have a listen. Welcome back to another episode of Eyes to Ears, a show where your host, Bella Eatman, visits local art galleries to find art pieces to describe to you. We go back to a well-known gallery on this show. And you loyal listeners have guessed it. It's Slight Grey, with a piece that immediately grabbed my eye the moment I saw it through the window. Please welcome the painting Sahoy by Fran J. Nagy. To the artist of this piece, or anyone who has that last name, I'm sorry if I butchered the pronunciation. We look at three people with their backs turned to us as they face a softly painted and colored background of pastel tans and sky blues. The two outliers to the right and left of the painting wear cream or sand-colored robes. Think of the colors mixing like if you added milk to a latte. The person standing at the center possibly the leader of this trio, wears their own cloak that has completely lost its white purity. 
This is a well trade-off for the beauty of blues, pinks, yellows, greens, with a slight tint of gray to all colors, all falling down in a stream of stains to the tips of the fabric. This rainbow stained, higher up, seems to show their individuality, not just by their cloak, but also by the three black feathers to the right of their head. Each individual shared one beautiful trait, however, a stream of India ink black hair falling down their backs and past the canvas like a river of oil. When I saw this painting, the river of inky black hair made me think of a few art mediums I have been learning to work with every now and then. To use an old pen that you dip into an inkwell and to draw perhaps in a way like Shel Silverstein's illustrations accompanying his poems. That is, the normal way of using liquid ink. But perhaps you could pour the well down the canvas. Let the thick noir make its own journey. Same goes for the rest of the watercolor around the, uh, around the cloaks. The beauty of just covering the piece in water, placing the pigment, and to watch as it falls down the canvas to its own accord. I could go on, but this has been the end of Eyes to Ears. My name is Bella Eatman, and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Some in the Box Canyon may be decking the halls, but Mountain Village is decking the plazas. This weekend, Mountain Village will transform into a winter wonderland with the annual holiday prelude. From ice skating at Reflection Plaza to photos with Santa, a scavenger hunt, and Christmas carolers, there's something for the whole family. Saturday will culminate in an ice skating show by the Telluride Figure Skating Club, a Christmas tree lighting in Heritage Plaza at 6 p.m., and the coolest ice skating party to the tune of your favorite holiday hits. The Mountain Village Holiday Prelude will take place in the Village Core this Saturday, December 9th and Sunday, December 10th. For a full schedule, go to townofmountainvillage.com. Telluride's Community Conversations dive into the tough topics. A collaboration between the Wilkinson Public Library, the Tri-County Health Network, and many other local organizations, the goal is to create a space to make the hard conversations, hopefully, a little easier. Conversations over the past year have looked at mental health, LGBTQ issues, sex education for parents, conflict, and trauma. But next week, community conversations are taking a step back and looking to celebrate with a community dance. Community members young and old are invited to join. There will be prizes and snacks. Organizers encourage everyone to celebrate the year of awesome community conversations and learn about what's coming up in 2024. The Community Conversation Community Dance will take place at the AHA School for the Arts on Tuesday, December 12th from 5 to 7 p.m. 
On Tuesday, the Department of the Interior announced it has returned 3 million acres to Native American tribes. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, Clark Adamitis of KSUT and KSJD reports. The General Allotment Act of 1887 allowed tribal lands to be allotted to individual tribal members. As ownership of those lands was divided among heirs and descendants, historic tribal geographies became a checkerboard of private, state, and federal trust lands. In 2012, as part of a legal settlement, the federal government began buying lands to return them to tribal ownership. Since then, the U.S. has spent $1.6 billion to return land to tribes in 15 states. $400 million of that funding was spent to restore more than 200,000 acres to the Navajo Nation. The so-called Land Buyback Program received its final appropriation of funding in November 2022. For KSUT and KSJD, I'm Clark Adamitis. COP28 a major global climate conference is taking place now in Dubai. Organized by the United Nations, the aim of the conference is to have nations address climate change by pledging to cut greenhouse gas emissions, invest more in clean energy, and ask richer nations to help fund climate adaptation measures in developing countries. Tom Yelsman, who directs the Center for Environmental Journalism at the University of Colorado in Boulder, says the conference is happening amidst a year of record-breaking heat, wildfires, floods, and more around the world. Temperatures in Phoenix, for example, soared above 110 degrees for a record-shattering 31 days back in July. And when that happened, people began turning up in emergency rooms with third-degree burns after having fallen to the pavement. You know, that has happened before, but it was happening on a much more frequent basis than ever, ever before. India had heavy monsoon deluges that inundated cities for days. Wildfire season in Canada was out of control. It sent smoke streaming all the way to cities like New York City, and it turned the skies a sickening shade of orange. More than 100 countries at the conference have called for a fossil fuel phase-out and an immediate end to all new oil and gas production. President Biden is not in attendance. The conference runs until December 12th. An innovative program is seeking to restore degraded meadows and ranch lands across the Rocky Mountain West. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, KVNF's Lisa Young has more. According to a recent article in the Fence Post, Colorado State University, along with several partners, are utilizing a low-tech method to help ranchers restore degraded meadows and ranch lands in Colorado. CSU researcher Renee Rondeau, who works with Colorado Natural Heritage Program, has spent the past decade documenting how strategically placing rocks and wooden poles in the meadows of Gunnison County's Sagebrush Hills can slow down water flow, reconnect the floodplain, and increase wetland plant cover, sometimes as much as 40%. This first site we worked on, we had, for example, we had almost 60 structures that we put in in about one mile. Rondeau says her research team monitored every fourth or fifth structure to determine what plant species were thriving or declining. She says the goal was to increase the amount of wetland plants in the area 
while also hoping to see a decrease in invasive plant species. And if it's working, right, if these structures are really holding the water, our wetland plants should increase in cover. And that's exactly what we saw. While Rondeau admits the technique isn't right for every stream bed in the state and won't solve the overwhelming magnitude of climate change, the technique does show promise for the future. Anything we can do to improve the resiliency to drought is one of the best things we can do to adapt hotter and drier climate. The technique of placing rock structures and wooden poles into streams was used by Native Americans and later adopted by renowned environmentalist Bill Zedike, head of Zedike Ecological Consulting and a former U.S. Forest Service employee. If you were talking to Bill, he was like, this isn't a true science. This is, there's some art associated with it. And the people that build these structures are almost all volunteers, right? It's amazing. They can, they can become very artistic in how they place the rocks, where they place them. As we think about the ongoing super drought in the West and the increasing shadow of climate change, Rondo says taking every opportunity, no matter how small, to become more drought resilient is a must. That's what I like about this is that it is simple, and while it may seem small, it has a big impact. Once you've built some of these structures and you've really looked at these streams, you will never look at a stream bed the same way again. For KVNF, I'm Lisa Young. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for snow tonight, ending early, followed by cloudy skies in a low near 10 degrees. Saturday should bring sunny skies with a slight chance of morning snow showers and a high near 20 degrees. Saturday night, expect clear skies in frigid temps with a low around 5. Sunday calls for sunny skies during the day and partly cloudy skies at night. The high is around freezing with a low around 25 degrees. This has been the news for Friday, December 8th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970 728-3206.